Welcome to Musicians vs. the World. Today we'll be exploring this somewhat complicated relationship between musicians and the media. In recent decades, newspapers and traditional media outlets have had to adjust to a changing world and changing audience sensibilities, very much like musicians have had to do. And as musicians have livelihoods that depend on our audiences hearing our music, and as media continues to be a major gateway to reaching that audience, it's important for us as musicians to understand how to navigate that relationship. And I can think of no one better to help us with this topic than Doug Wilkes, executive editor of the Deseret News. And fun fact, he is also my uncle. If you're not familiar with the Deseret News, it's the premier news source from the Intermountain West with the largest Sunday circulation in the state of Utah and enjoys a large national and international reach with its award-winning daily online news report. Along with its sister broadcast company, KSL, it has become one of the strongest multi-platform newsrooms in the country. The arts have always been a strong part of the culture in Utah, and Deseret News continues in its support for the arts and music specifically through scholarships, sponsorships, and media coverage. And now a little information about Doug. Doug's four-decade career as reporter and editor included stints with Gannett in Marin County, California, and the New York Times Regional Media Group as an editor before joining Deseret News in 2012. And Doug was kind enough to chat with me about navigating the media, how to catch the attention of national news sources, and the different resources available to up-and-coming musicians and composers in this ever-changing media landscape. It is just chock full of really great insights, useful information, and practical tips for all musicians. So I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. So Doug Wilkes, thank you for coming and welcome to Musicians Versus the World. Thanks, Christine. It's really great to be here. I'm so glad that you're here to help us with this. I think this is a really important topic that will help a lot of musicians. But before we jump into it, can you explain what the job of an executive editor is? Sure. So my job really is to help with others, of course, set the direction of uh, the Deseret News. We ourselves have gone through quite an evolution. Uh, The Deseret News started in 1850 after um, the Latter-day Saints came west. And it started as a weekly newspaper to both inform and entertain. And the arts was always a part of that from 1850 forward. The past year, we have uh, discontinued our print edition of the daily newspaper. We still do a national weekly uh, newspaper that we mail out and also uh, Intermountain West Weekly. And then we began a magazine, Deseret, which has featured artists. And the executive editor helps lead the journalists on that mission to spread the word. That's a very large responsibility. So what kind of thoughts and what kind of um, ideas go through your head as you're trying to direct your journalists? There are many reporters and many editors, and you have different teams of reporters and editors doing different responsibilities. So, for example, we have people, you know, as you would know, politics and um certainly things related to Utah. But where we've come with Deseret News, more than 70% of our readership is outside the state of Utah. So we have this national reach. So we're looking at what do we do well in not just Utah, but the West. Actually, the old kind of state of Deseret, which went to California, which is why we're called the Deseret News. It wasn't Utah until it became a state. But the territory of Deseret covered Idaho and down south into Arizona, over to California, into Nevada and so forth. So that Western ethic, what can we bring to the rest of the country and the world? So we're always looking at what are those stories, a window in, window out kind of approach. And what are the solutions from around the world, whether it be on air pollution or something else 
that we want to report on from elsewhere and bring that back to readership here. So I help manage that and, and instruct and help make sure we stay on course. Right. And then you were saying with your magazine that you do feature artists and things of that nature. What do you think the importance is of including the arts and including music and, and entertainment in that national outreach? Well, let me take a step back from your question. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really a, a change that has occurred. We're focused on audience. We're focused mm-hmm. on relevance. Uh, we're focused on influence. Uh, we're focused on the intersection of those three things with all aspects of society. So where a musician intersects with audiences that we want to reach, the culture, the life story, it's, it's about way more than music right now. And you see that in the artists that are being successful. You'll have an artist like Renee Fleming. She came to Salt Lake City, but she, you know, she's not just a, a fantastic soprano. She did Broadway, comedy on Broadway. Uh, she sang at the Super Bowl. She's had this reach. So where she intersects, then she comes into other media, not just music media. So it's very important to have diversion. It's very important to have entertainment. But the number of journalists, particularly in local markets, has been cut dramatically because it's it's tough to, to fund newspapers and newsrooms. So where there's the similar audience and when there's relevance, then um, it's extremely important. Mm-hmm. So you find that more of the human interest side of the music is that's where the interest is and that's where the relevance is? Um, that's what the audience has told us they want. Mm. The music is fantastic, but you don't go to necessarily our websites to hear the music. You right. want to know why the musician has succeeded. You have a musician like Lindsay Sterling, for example. She's this kind of experimental violinist. Yeah, she dances a lot. Who dances a lot. Okay, right. so that opened her up to a lot of criticism. Um, but she went into many different areas uh, in within pop culture to try and create a, you know, a career. Well, she has 12 million YouTube subscribers. Right. That's, a, that's a phenomenal number. And so she's immediately relevant. So then we ask questions, why is she relevant? Let's hear her music. So you, you can have someone like that who succeeds. Uh, and I admire her because she was willing to put up with a lot of criticism and did what she thought she wanted to do mm-hmm. um, despite that. And she's been very successful at it. So we profiled her in Deseret Magazine uh, because our audiences uh, intersect. And that gave her just another data point. She didn't need to be in our magazine. Mm-hmm. but it helps her build out from what she's tried to create. Yes. So do you find that the readership is more interested in musicians that are already established? Or do you find that there is some interest on up-and-coming musicians that are like looking for their break? Um, I think people who are up-and-coming have an opportunity. I was reading, actually early this morning, uh, CNN does a, a, a Reliable Sources email. So this is um, their media watchdog, and I get that email every day and look at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, they had one little item in there about uh, Olivia Rodrigo, who's on the cover of Teen Vogue. Right. Okay. Well, this is someone that not necessarily wouldn't be in my sphere, but she dropped a, a very popular single, and she did it in the middle of the pandemic, and then she subsequently had other number one songs come forward. Right. She was on the MTV Video Music Awards, and then she was at the Met Gala, And she became, at a very young age, she kind of exploded, you know, right Right. in the past year or two. 
Well, as you start to learn about her, you know, she began on television as trying to be a teen actress and go through much like Miley Cyrus started to do, right? So Mm -hmm. she had a trajectory, she went and did it. But the most interesting thing to me is not that she's on the cover of Teen Vogue, she's 18 and they look for celebrities and they do their thing. It's that the CNN Reliable Sources media guy put it in his email. So now that's coming to people like me and mainstream media markets. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now I become aware of her. So now she's going to the next place. That's how it kind of spreads. You need to start somewhere. And an artist can start on their own with YouTube, with podcasts, with whatever they can do to get noticed. And if they have talent, they've got a shot. Mm -hmm. Just talking a little bit more about the social media and YouTube and all of the different avenues, a lot of musicians are using that social media to gain popularity so that they can become a more national figure and end up on the mainstream media. Do you see any pitfalls that come with that? I think the pitfalls are they don't necessarily understand how how difficult it is, or they don't take the time to get to know the sources that are out there. So for example, again, Lindsay Sterling doesn't need really the mainstream media. She right. needed television. Didn't she? I think she went on Dances with the Stars, right? She did things to kind of get her right. to certain places. And like America's Got Talent. Yeah, and uh-huh. things like that. And, mm-hmm. and those are real introductions. And I think what the artists know, if you're willing to do that, you don't necessarily have to win those shows. Right. You can find you can find an agent. You can find people to help promote your career. Where we can still make an impact, we work with a partner with the Utah Symphony. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing for decades. Desert News has sponsored support for up-and-coming artists. And um, so we do these youth symphony appreciation. So there's this incredible talent pool here in Utah. And so the best pianists and violinists, soloists come in and they work with the symphony And then we sponsor a concert. I typically present, we do these posters for these young people and we give them, you know, those awards and we give them that recognition and we cover it. We also do scholarship programs. Decades ago, I mean, it was clear athletes had a lot of accolades and they had a lot of chance at money. So we partnered um, for as a media group with uh, other philanthropists here in the community and do scholarship programs. So we're still promoting the arts And people who come up kind of like you came up being such a skilled pianist that you are, um, and then as a composer, but that started with kind of a traditional path that we do with those kids in school who might then go on to Juilliard, who might go on to somewhere else or to uh, a school like Brigham Young with a fantastic music program and these other spaces. So those are true musicians who are working so well. I have a friend who went from California. He was an amazing pianist. His passion was musical theater, and you know he's carving out a career there. Jeremiah Ginn is his name. Incredibly talented young man. Mm-hmm. So the YouTube internet path, you still have to have the talent, I think. Otherwise, yes. you'll be kind of a flash in the pan, right? Right. Or one hit wonder. But people who can really create and have some talent, that's a good way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that kind of along the lines of what you were saying, your readership is interested in the person behind the music. I think the social media has also made that very accessible for musicians as well. Like their fans can reach out and contact them directly through this social media. Well, it's 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 in every aspect. It's not just the arts. So right. professional sports stars have the player's journal. They got fed up with newspapers being critical of them and otherwise, and they knew they could get their message out. 
Mm-hmm. So they created the Players Journal, and they'll break their own stories. They'll break their own news. Jim Gaffigan, a famous comedian, mm-hmm. you know, when the pandemic hit, all these artists had to decide how to, you know, how do we get our message out? And he started doing these little video clips, and he's not the only one. Right. They'd put him on YouTube, and they'd be little bits, or he'd be talking from his kitchen, making jokes, uh, and reaching directly to his audience. Well, this past year, he started going on tour. I don't know, it's more than 60 places around the country. Right. And he will still talk with local media and do certain things. In fact, we we did interview him as well because he's coming to Salt Lake in December. But he doesn't need to do that. He is mm-hmm. he's, can talk directly to his fan base, say, hey, I'll be here at this time. Uh, and he can respond, you mm-hmm. know, and they do. They, they'll respond. So when a fan can can just go directly to the artist and the artist directly to the fan, it's an amazing thing. Is there a negative to it? There may be a negative to someone like me who's, you know, who wants accessibility to these folks, mm-hmm. but they still see legitimacy in a news organization like ours. Right. Christian Chenoweth has come to Salt Lake City several times. She performed in Park City um, at their festival. Uh, she performed with the uh, Tabernacle at Temple Square mm-hmm. in a Christmas program a couple of years ago. And, and she knows that the media like the Deseret News or Deseret Magazine uh, you know, or others around the country that are important to spread the message. It's just that there's such an additional layer that they have access to mm-hmm. and, um, and they use it. Yeah, that's very good. But I think you're right. I think the traditional media outlets do give a certain level of legitimacy. And anybody can have a YouTube channel. Anybody can have an Instagram account. But it's, it kind of gives you an extra level of, you know, legitimacy, honestly. I, I hope so. I mean. Um, We've been around for a long time. We've had to recreate ourselves, but I do. And artists don't like everything we do and write. And Mm -hmm. we have less traditional uh, media criticism. In other words, we're not reviewing concerts as much as maybe we would have 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's been a real change. And it's, you know, does an artist need to be reviewed? Certainly in local markets, I don't think that's happening as much. Right. in New York and the New York Times, they're taking a look at Broadway shows. I think Broadway shows can still live and die with what happens at the New York Times. Right. But elsewhere, I'm not sure that occurs. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Is that just because people don't put as much like stock into those professional reviews? It's just that uh, journalism has gone through an incredible change. The number of journalists has dropped by thousands and thousands of journalists. Mm. Outlets have gone away because it used to be you had a model of advertising dollars supporting what you're doing classified ads would come into a newspaper well classified ads became free craigslist came in and took a lot of markets now interestingly craigslist doesn't dominate the utah market because ksl.com does that service thankfully so that's still in-house for us Uh and helps provide income for us but um media lost its sources then they came to a subscription model online for most uh, Deseret.com is, we don't charge for that because we want reach. So um, we have uh, an umbrella approach. We have, you know, various companies with KSL and Bonneville, with radio and TV and uh, other businesses that help support our newsroom so that mm-hmm. we haven't gone to a paid subscription model. But we're unique in that. Most of the yeah. country has gone to a paid subscription model. Right. It's also, if you're going to make a decision, do you need someone to cover the governor or do you need someone to cover up and coming artists? And you have to make a choice because dollars are few. Sadly, uh, entertainment and and those positions would go before the other positions would go. Right. We're lucky at the Desert News. We have a, a wonderful journalist, Lottie Johnson, 
And Lottie herself is a violinist and really creative and a good writer. And she has to kind of rethink how she writes, but she's willing to do anything from looking at performance and has the musical knowledge to really, right. she knows what she's doing. But she's also into the pop culture place where she'll go stand in line at a tryout for America's Got Talent mm-hmm. to write about it, which she did. So we're very lucky to have uh, Lottie uh, in the mix so that when we need to do credible reviews, or again, when I mentioned when a top soprano comes to be with the symphony, Lottie can go and incredibly not only interview her, but listen to her and see the arc of her career. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've read Lottie's things and her pieces are very good. And I do like the way that she has such a broad reach. And I think that Utah is really a great place for the arts because you have such a large audience for the arts in Utah. And some of the other communities may not have so much. I was wondering about the music critics, because we focus on classical music on this podcast a lot. So if I think more about the classical side, and there's the stuff that's always popular, like Beethoven and and Mozart, everyone goes to see those. And then there's all these up and coming classical composers that may not be heard and may not really bring in the audience. And so a lot of times they would rely on those reviews to get their name out there and to have people look and see what's coming up with more classical composers. And sometimes the newer classical music isn't always as accessible to the the grand mass. And so they kind of rely on those reviews to get their name out there. Um, Do you see that that may be a problem for these kind of up and coming, more cerebral sort of composers? Yes, I do. Uh, for example, I have no way to actually get into that field. In other words, if a composer, a young composer is classically trained, uh, 22 years old, coming out of, of you know a tremendous background, they need to do something to show us that talent. So what are the avenues? You, right. you enter contests, right? And you know the contests, whether it's in Russia or over here. And so you get a, a credential. Okay, well, mainstream media can respond to credentials. Are you in a show? Is it a unique show? I mentioned uh, Jeremiah again. He was in musical theater and he was in shows. Here's this, if you're in California and he's from California, those markets will say, Yo, here's a here's a young artist who's made good in, in New York. So that might not be a name that's everywhere, but that begins you an in, and then you get a story or a credit, and you start to build off it. Um, I think you do need to have a social media presence, no matter what you're doing. Do you have a way for people to access your music? Have you learned what to do? There are people on YouTube who interact with fans. They'll do gimmicky things, and not to say that an artist should do this, but you know, they'll, they'll come on and someone will say, hey, any requests? And they'll do a request and they'll play it and they'll begin to interact and there'll be something cute that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to create a viral video, I'm not sure there's much success in that. Those tend to happen right. unless it's a horrible mistake and nobody wants that. <laughs> right. But if the path is a, to be in a symphony, then um, we cover some of those paths or like young artists, festivals, mm-hmm. things like that. If you can rise to the top, then you can, you can break through, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to, to, you know, if someone would call me and pitch me and say, hey, I know this person, he's written this amazing song, I would have nothing to do with that. I right. would have no idea. There's no entry point for me because there's no intersection of audience. 
-hmm. really pay attention to the audience of the different market you're in. Like, what's the Philadelphia Inquirer interested in? Do you know their editors? You know, only the really bigger media outlets are going to have uh, music critics. Can you get to know them? Can you say, hey, I'm just curious what interests you? What are they writing about the past 18 months? Is it all unique things or is it uh, mainstream things? Is it all awards or is it something else? So you have to find where does their audience intersect with what you want to do as a musician? And if you put those together, then you're going to have a much, much easier time because I want the audience. I mean, we talked about Lindsey Sterling, you know, 12 million subscribers to her YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. You know, does she need the Deseret News? Not necessarily. But can I get into that jet stream for her? Can we be mutually beneficial? Can we give her a little legitimacy? You know, she already has it, right? But but can you do that if you're an up-and-coming artist? Get the legitimacy from the media, but also help them reach your audience you're trying to get to. Right. And that actually happened in Deseret News with the father-daughter duo that sang the prayer, I believe, over the pandemic. And now all of a sudden they went viral and they have a spread on Deseret News. Yeah. And that kind of happened in conjunction. In other words, they began to take off. We saw that they took off. And then you become mutually beneficial. So is one needed more than the other? I don't know. It's just it's just the society we're living in. You know, I mentioned with sports or with other entertainment, with artists, a lot of times they'll get upset with a critic or a journalist. They'll want to do their own thing for a while. But typically there'll be a time when they need each other and need to report on each other. So um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not easy, though. I don't think it was easy before for a musician, and it's certainly not easy now. It's not easy for painters, right? How do painters get, get noticed? It's the same kind of thing. There's this show out of London. I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube, but it's a contest, right? You bring artists together. And on the one hand, if you're an artist, you don't want to be in a competition. You're, you're expressing right. yourself. It's not competitive, but it becomes you become popular by being in competitions. You know, who can do the best portrait? Portrait artist of the year is what they do in England. And that's, and that's mm -hmm. all over YouTube. I don't know, the struggling, starving artist probably is still there. But on the other hand, there are avenues now that you can do it alone if you have the drive to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in that way, social media has really, really helped artists. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So kind of going along with that, being so accessible, to your fans and being so accessible to the artists. Is the old adage, all news is good news, does that still apply? I want to say no. Um, because of cancel culture, uh, which has been so much written about, people make a mistake and then people want to, to bring you down. I think it's survivable for an artist, particularly a popular artist, if you're a tremendous musician and make a mistake. The country likes to take people off their pedestal, but they also like to give people second chances. Yes. But uh, there are a lot of people who may still disagree that all publicity is good publicity. But given cancel culture and the tough waters some people are going through, I'm not sure that applies. Yeah. I'd keep I'd keep my social media accounts pretty clean if I was <laughs> advising someone. <laughs> I think that's good advice for anybody, not just aspiring musicians and artists. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then also it can it can change. I was just thinking about Britney Spears. And back in the early 2000s, she was completely just dragged through the mud by everybody. And now, you know, everyone's standing up for her and seeing that she wasn't treated well. And so, you know, it is very cyclical. And the media's kind of had a comeuppance about that situation. You know, 
she's in a conservatorship for 13 years mm-hmm. and people describe her a certain way. But did anybody really look at that? It, it takes, you know, someone to kind of take a step back and say, well, wait a minute, this is a human being. Right. How has she been treated? You know, she was a Disney child star too, right? So she's been at this her whole life and a certain level of control her whole life. Did anyone think about postpartum depression or any of the things that people get with? No, they simply say, oh, this is this artist and people could trash her left and right. But now people are saying, no, that's not the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hollywood has gone through a lot. Media has gone through a lot trying to say, wow, maybe we've not done exactly what we should have. Yeah. So just going along with that, as people are now taking control of their image with social media and everything, do you have any words of advice besides, you know, keeping (laughs) your social media accounts pretty clean? Um, Is there anything, are there like boundaries that artists need to have as they're creating this public persona of themselves and pushing their, their careers? Um, I think they need to know their boundaries, right? What are they trying to accomplish? Do people want to be amazing musicians and make a living at it? Okay. Then what are the avenues to do that if you're a classical pianist, for example, or a violinist? Um, Do you want to get in with a symphony? Do you want to become a solo artist with a symphony? Do you need to create original content and then figure out how to, to, to drop that and gain an audience? And, and you need to keep asking questions, right? You need to look at artists, how have they done that? Um, have you learned enough about protecting yourself from agents who are always looking for new, fresh talent? Are you willing to go on to the shows like America's Got Talent and the different avenues that are there? Those are legitimate paths. It's just uh, artists have to put themselves out there. So do you want a noisy life or a quiet life? And do you want fame? Or are you not interested in the fame, but you would like to make a living? Or do you want fame and fortune? And if you do, you may have to take a few hits, but maybe you'll get there. Mm-hmm. And then look for those those sources. There are a lot of media sources out there to help people understand. Uh, there's a lot of uh, musicians who said, this is what I did wrong, and here's how you can learn from me. Even the, the young girl we talked about who's on the cover of Teen, okay, she's only 18 the past five years have been pretty remarkable. What did she do the past five years? And if you're a high school artist, what do you want to do? Um, I mean, your career path has been kind of fascinating, right? Because you're able to do original music, working in uh, video and film, and that's, uh, that's a remarkable talent. So is there an opportunity for you, like if you want to take your career from here and grow it and say, okay, I want to get to the next level of whatever you want to, if you, and, and you may not want. What you're doing now is remarkable, Christine. Oh, thank you. Um, within the framework of your different audience and the different places, whether it's in the southern United States or whether it's in a religious community or whether it's in an entertainment community, this podcast certainly is, is valuable and another place where a musician can go, how can I learn what to do? Mm-hmm. Should I pay attention to media or not? You know? And musicians can reach out to me if they have a story as well, because all that can happen is someone says no, or maybe you can get advice somewhere. But if you're willing to hear no a few times, just like in anything, right. you can you can move forward. That's fantastic advice. I love that. So what do you see the future relationship between musicians and media? Where do you see that going in the next few years or decades? Well, I hope the talent can be celebrated I don't think media will lose interest in personality or personal stories because the audience wants to know the story. 
how in fact does someone succeed? You know, how in fact does Britney Spears have the arc of her career? What is happening with movies, right? The arc of movies from the 70s, different to the 80s, different to the 90s. You know, what's happening with music? Classical music, the avenues to really find classical music are in communities where you have a symphony. Right. So we still want to interview the symphony. Terry Fisher is a fantastic conductor here in Salt Lake City. And they also have junior conductors and they have the other programs. Can you really get immersed in that? So one of my challenges is the movers and shakers, the philanthropists all support the arts and we want to be relevant to them. So if I'm losing reporting into the arts, but here are people who are really driving the community who love the arts, how do I satisfy their need, that audience? How do I work with them to promote the arts um, at a time when resources are few? And that's an ongoing struggle. I do get emails and, you know, someone says, hey, why weren't you guys there? Or, or I'll have people call me and say, hey, this great artist is coming to town. You really should take a look at them. And I rely on that. I need people to tell me. So I'm always looking for opportunities for a good story, good storytelling, uh, compelling, inspirational stories, things that have influence and things that have relevance. So if you can think audience, relevance, and influence, I think every media company is looking for that. And where that intersects with the personal ambition of the artist, then you're going to have success. Yeah. So you think the future is looking pretty bright if you have the gumption and I guess the grit to keep going with it. Yeah. I think it does take some grit. I think the avenues are really plentiful, but the question is how hard do you want to work to do that independent of your music? Mm -hmm. Because it is, it is different. I mean, you'd say the same thing about a a novelist, the whole promoting of a book has totally changed. It's all, it's all on the author. Right. You know, can they can they craft a marketing plan? Can they work? There's so much on the artist now. It's it's not just the musicianship, it's also the sales and the marketing and having to understand it. And either you need someone at your side doing that or you need to figure out for yourself how to do it. And this is you don't have to do all this on day one, right? You just you start to just to build, keep your product. That's a little crass maybe for an artist, but keep your product at the <laughs> no. forefront. Yeah, no, it's true. It's the product. It really is. It's how you make your living. It's how you, you know, eat at the end of the day. It's the same thing with a journalist. You know, a journalist might think that, wow, they've just written this really important story. Well, if no one reads it, then what's it worth? So you have to get it in front of someone. Right. Right. And I think sometimes musicians get caught up in the art of it and they think, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm just an artist. No one understands me. But you really do. I mean... You have to pay the bills and people have to enjoy what you're doing, which means that they have to see what you're doing. And that means you've got to be a good marketer. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Unless you can find a rich person who loves the arts, who wants to write you a check every month, you know, which which has happened over the centuries also. Well, that's that's all music used to be for a long time until about Beethoven. Yeah, yeah, but not so much anymore. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Well, you have given so many wonderful insights and tips and advice. Is there anything else that we haven't covered that you think would be helpful in navigating the relationship between musicians and the media? The only thing I would say, and I say this to journalists, I said, look, it's going to be stressful every day. So, you know, just enjoy the ride. Enjoy what you're doing. Or in some ways, 
enjoy the music of what happens. I'm stealing that from an Alaskan novel that's called The Music of What Happens. It's based on this old story about a great chief is asked, you know, what is the finest music in the world? And um, they go through these different sounds, the sound of a bird, all this. And then the great chief says, the greatest music is the music of what happens. And I think that's true in life. It's like you just enjoy the ride. You know, I enjoy this podcast with you today because you're coming at it from a place of giving. You're, you're actually giving something to other musicians. So I commend you for what you're doing. And yeah, if there's, you know, a little thing out of this podcast, great. Um, but always thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks, Christine. Musicians vs. the World is a production of Frosted Lines Entertainment in conjunction with Smith Sound Music. A very, very special thank you to Doug Wilkes, executive editor of the Deseret News, for making the time in his very busy schedule to come and talk with me and share his invaluable advice and insights into such an important topic. I'll have links to the Deseret News, Deseret Magazine, and all the other resources mentioned today on our website, frostedlens.com slash musicians versus the world. Musicians vs. the World is hosted and edited by me, Christine Smith, and our producer today is Russ Wilkes. Yes, we are keeping it in the family today. The music you've heard in today's episode is called Coagulation, and it's called that because I wrote it for a water purifying documentary, but I thought it sounded happy and busy and optimistic, just like I imagine a newsroom run by Doug would be, so I added it to today's episode. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out on any future conversations. And if you want to help us reach more people that may be interested in today's topic, share this episode with them or leave us a nice review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any topics you'd like to be discussed or questions about music or musician life you'd like answered, please be sure to reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or send us an email at info at Thanks so much.